but has to have their fingerprints on it. They have to know that they were part of the overall solution to the problem. Hey, what's going on? You're listening to the Live Leaderly Podcast. I'm your host, Darren Alba. Here on the show, we invite guests from all walks to share their stories about leadership, which just become stories about life. I ask that with the people in your life, please tell your story, listen to theirs, but in the meantime, we'll do it together here on the Live Leaderly Podcast. And joining us on the show today, medical device business leader, Matt Lorimer. Matt, welcome to the show. How are you? Well, I'm doing well. Thank you very much for having me. Of course. Of course. Thanks, Matt. Where are you calling in from today? Uh, I'm calling in from Richmond Hill, Georgia, right outside of Savannah. Uh, Richmond Hill, Georgia, outside Savannah. Okay, great. Well, Matt, uh, first question I like to ask people is if you have a first memory of leadership, maybe when you're a kid or a teenager, what was that for you? It really, it really kind of boils down to where I come from. And, you know, I come from a large kind of Irish Catholic family in Boston, seven seven brothers and sisters, really extremely dysfunctional alcoholism, you know, mother going to the hospital after being traumatized by my father, you know, and me stepping in as much as I could for as young as I was. When I could, sometimes I wasn't there, sometimes I was. But, uh, but because of that, um, you learn uh, from a very young age how to go find money for school lunches. You go how to you know, you have to find your own money for uh, school clothes, for instance. And so I started working from a very young age, like 14 years old, washing dishes at a, uh, at a steakhouse in Boston. And uh, I think my, you know, be- because of my home life, because there's nobody there to help you with anything, like I said, you become a very good negotiator. You become a good negotiator with your teachers because you miss a lot of school. And you have to negotiate your way to be able to get a passing grade. Hey, let me let me make up that exam. Hey, let me bring in, you know, five extra credit subjects, so on and so forth. So but the first leadership probably is is uh, really that I found was when I started to work and and I was I was able to compartmentalize things in a very orderly way in my mind. And I was able to transcend that to people that I work with, whether they were, people were always older than me, but, um, but it made sense to them. The way I say, you know, if I was washing dishes, hey, why don't you guys go to the end of the ramp? Let's go, hey, let's take this. And all they were looking for is some direction. So I guess washing dishes really was the first leadership event, you know? Okay. But just uh, like you said, compartmentalizing and, and suggesting better ways or more efficient ways to do things on top of being part of that large family, like you said, and, and growing up very quickly is, is what it sounds like from your description. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If you could, Matt, could you share a little more about your background and where you're from and, and what you've been up to over the years? Yeah. So, so from Boston, um, you know, um, I'm a fan of all sports teams in Boston, obviously. You know, I, I started working when I was 14. I left when I was 17. Uh, I, joined the, I joined the Army. I had quit high school. I joined the Army. Um, and I spent 20 years in the military. You know, I'm a combat veteran. Uh, during the time in the military, uh, you know, it was important for me to get my high school diploma first and then my baccalaureate's degree. You know, I was married while I was in the Army. I met my first girlfriend in the Army at 18 years old. Uh, she's still my wife today. Uh, so I've been married for 40 years. So, uh, you know, and she's the only woman I've ever known, really. So. You know, I had my my family while I was in the army. 
Uh, and then when I left the army after, after 20 years, I, uh, you know, I had to find a job and again, those skills have to kick in. And so, you know, I started out as, uh, the first thing I found was a claims adjuster job, uh, with progressive insurance, you know, progressive with flow. You've seen the commercials, mm-hmm. obviously. I started, you know, you needed a four year degree and, and that's it. You took a math, a math and English test. Um, and in a matter of about four years, I was a director of claims. So you move up very quickly, you know, as they say, uh, people with experience, cream rises to the top, whatever you want to say. So all of a sudden I found myself as a director of claims, you know, handling all the litigation claims, all these negotiations with attorneys. And, uh, and I found, uh, I found that to be quite entertaining because I was really good at negotiation. So. Um, I moved away from progressive and, and uh, moved along into the oil and gas industry after that. Uh, and so I, I was uh, managing the design, engineering, and manufacturing of pressure vessels that introduced a chemical additive into a crude oil process. Um, and so, you know, anybody that's an engineer knows about welder qualifications and P&IDs, engineering drawings. I mean, you know, I had to learn everything from the bottom up. And the best way to do that is to get a mechanical engineer out to a pressure vessel, have them explain it to me, give me, give me the books and let me go home and read. So that's what I did. While I was kind of bored of that, I moved over to the aerospace industry, went to Gulfstream Aerospace. I had to, I had to get my project management professional credential. I did that. I went over there for a couple of years at Gulfstream and that was absolutely the most boring job I ever had in my life and I couldn't stand it. So I had to get out of there anyway, ended up in medical device. So that's kind of my, my lineage. I was able to go back and forth through several different industries and kind of uh, reinvent myself because I just, I don't have any fear of moving into something new at all. I just need a book and I need you to tell me what you need me to do what you want, what your expectation is, and I will go ahead and get that. Well, wow. uh, you touched in a, a bunch of different industries, all, all post-Army. Mind me asking what your, uh, your job was in the Army that you did for 20 years? Field artillery. Field artillery. Okay, great. And so I'm sure you learned a, a lot of your, your leadership lessons that you applied after the military during, during that time. Um, what, what big things during your time in the military um, did you learn leadership-wise that you've, you've been you know, it has been part of your, your every day and your, all, all your job since then. Yeah. Um, so I've collected a, a lot of ideas, I think, from many different leaders. <clears throat> you know, so you can't really say any of them are your own ideas because you read so many books and you hear so many people, some people you look at and you're like, oh, my God, how did that person become a leader? Or some people you look at and go, wow, that person is just really unique, you know. Um, but some of the things I think more of the more important things are, are like the 24 hour rule I learned. So you never want to make an emotional decision. I think you should, you should always take a step back and on those really big, important things and give it 24 hours. Don't do anything when you're mad. Don't do anything when you're super happy. You know, if it's, if it's a big decision and it's emotional, wait 24 hours. I think uh, one of the bigger things I learned is, is to be a good listener. You have to listen a heck of a lot more than you talk because, you know, you have to solicit ideas from everybody on the team. 
that final decision has to be has to have uh, you know some people call it buy-in but it has to have their fingerprints on it right they have to know that they were part of the overall solution to the problem uh and i think so so listening is just just huge i think you if you're if a good leader won't won't coattail people in other words they're not going to hire somebody just because they've been loyal to them all along right they're going to go through a very rigorous objective interview process and and they're going to look to hire really smart people not your friends uh not someone uh, because you know they're never going to challenge your 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 orders or your your ideas right and i think a good book to read would be talking to strangers by malcolm gladwell um and it will give you an excellent foundation for communication but go out and hire new people just try to stay away from all those all those other things i mentioned and then there's the styrofoam cup metaphor so you know as you get these bigger jobs you know when you're when you're a director in engineering or you're a director at progressive or whatever um and you go in the boardroom um everybody's drinking you know they're, they're opening doors for you you're getting these awards you sit down for a meeting everybody at the table's got a styrofoam cup and somebody brings you a ceramic cup right because you're the big the big person at the table i think you should always remember that you drink from a styrofoam cup as well that all those gifts that you got that all the door openings that you get are for the position not for you so um you know you you've got to be humble and remember that i think that's a, that will help a lot of people so those four things i think are pretty important yeah great i uh i've heard it said a couple of different ways, but I like your, your 24 hour rule, not to make a big decision. If you're, you're too high or too low, angry or, or too happy. Um, that's, that's a, that's a, a key one for sure. And then the styrofoam and ceramic cup, I actually have never heard that one before. Where did you uh, pick that one up along the way? Um, I think I, I think I picked that up from some, some operator somewhere. I don't know. It's, it's, it either came from somebody in Delta or somebody from uh, a seal or somebody. But I remember them talking about that, and uh, you know, I thought that was very, very unique. You know, um, mm -hmm. pretty good stuff. You know? Yeah, I, I like that one a whole lot. And so, as you mentioned in your kind of your background, you've been in a bunch of different industries, and now you're in medical devices. How how did you find medical devices? Kind of your your purpose or your uh, you know what what to do now? Well, I was uh, you know one of the things that that you learn you know going through life is you know, you hear people say, don't ever burn any bridges, right? And there's a good reason for that. That's just one of the sayings, right? No, no matter where you go, always be kind and always be, be yourself. Don't leave your bed unmade, for instance, when you leave a place. Do it with a lot of class because the seeds you sow when you're, when you're young and what you're doing in your life can come back to help you later. And in this case, uh, the seeds I sowed when I was younger, uh, for instance, with Patrice Sutherland, you know, I was, uh, for a short time, I was her first sergeant. And uh, um, I got a call from her one day and said, what do you think about this? And I said, you know, and, and I was in a position where I really wanted to do something else. And I said, what do I think about that? I think that's, let's go. What's, what are we waiting for? About, a, you know, 
10 days later, I was on an airplane down to Florida with no training and I was, you know, selling biologics. Um, and I remember talking to Patrice and, you know, and, and uh, I said, man, you know, whew, man, I'm going down here. I don't even, I don't even have a book on this stuff, man. I've been going online and reading about it. She's like, come on, man, you're mad long. Just go get it done, man. So it was pretty cool. So um, and that's how I got into it. So it was, uh, it was, um, it was great. It came at the right time. And, and I had the opportunity to, uh, to work for her, which has always been a pleasure. So how do you, how do you enjoy that industry now? How, how long have you been doing that actually? I don't know, three years, eight months. I'm about ready to leave that. So we'll see what happens maybe to another company. We'll see. But, um, uh, yeah, it definitely, the, you know, I love the science of it. Um, you know, the triple helix amino acid chain that terminates in telepeptides and those telepeptides, you know, are filled with tyrosine and the tyrosine is what tells you whether you're a cat or a dog or a human. And, you know, we get rid of that. So the body sees the device as, as its own. So it doesn't kind of, you know, retaliate against it. So that's just a little bit of something you're going to learn, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I find that stuff pretty amazing. I think anything medical is amazing. To me. Fascinating stuff and, and making a difference in, in people's lives, really. Um, and so one of the themes to our show, uh, Matt, is that anyone can learn to lead. And you mentioned earlier that you, you haven't had a problem reinventing yourself. As long as you have a book and some direction and resources, you'll, you'll go and figure it out and make, get it done. For someone who might be a little cautious or they, they might see that as something um, daunting. What might you say to someone or advise to someone uh, to, to take that first step? Well, I, I say that I think it's reasonable to conclude that anyone uh, who's reasonably intelligent, meaning if they're in the room at that point, they're reasonably intelligent because you've hired them, they can become a leader. Leadership Leadership's really a skill. Uh, so I think you look at, look at the question objectively that human beings are learning new skills all the time when they move through life. Leadership is no different. It's a skill. You, you have to learn it. There's different levels of it. Um, different companies, uh, you know, uh, build it a certain way, you know, the using technology, teaching you. Um, and, and it is a perishable skill. So, you know, like turning on a light switch is not, a perishable skill, but leadership is, is a very perishable skill. I don't really believe in the phrase that, uh, that, Hey, I'm old school. I think that's, that's a convenient phrase that old people use because they're afraid of younger people coming in and having to change for the team, having to learn new technologies. You know, you hear all these things about snowflakes and this, that, and it's just, it's, to me, it's a bunch of bunk. There is really some great stuff going on out there right now. Uh, and young people are the future. So, you know, you, you, you to, to me, you hear somebody say, um, you know, oh, I remember the good old days. My, my retort to them would be, listen, man, today, today is, this is the good old days. So get used to it. Today is, is there's actually a, sh uh, a show, The Office, if you're familiar with it, is uh, one of the quotes in there is, I wish there was a way to know that you're in the good old days, you know, before you leave them, yeah. is, is a quote from that, that show. Um, but yeah, so de definitely agree. And Matt, we're about to wrap up here shortly, but I wanted to turn it back over to you if you had any more thoughts that you wanted to share for the podcast. Not, not really. I think, you know, I've had the opportunity to learn from some really 
really great people. You know, General Ray Ordiano, always with a big smile. Um, he's not. He's no longer with us. God, God rest his soul. General Bill Lennox, who who was was the. Uh, I don't think they call it the commandant. Do they at West Point? What do they call it? The uh, they do. They have a superintendent the and then a commandant. Okay. Yeah. Well, he was the he was there for a few years. Um, so he's he was a White House fellow. I had the opportunity to work for him. He had a PhD in English. He's a really smart guy. Never swore or said the terse word. And, as I mentioned before, I remember vividly Captain Patrice Sutherland. So, you know, Patrice is a is a person who who would walk. You know, the army is a man's world. It really is. Uh, Patrice found the strength just to be able to walk right into a group of men. Like it really didn't matter to her. You know, I am who I am. So let's get busy, getting busy, uh, as we say. You know, she's a master parachutist. She's a great athlete in the army. So. She'd probably be the my number one leader to to have worked for, you know, under probably her, then Lennox second and Ray Ordiano third. So yeah. But um yeah, that's about all I have, my friend. All right. Well thanks so much, Matt. Our guest today, Matt Lorimer, thank you for coming on the show, sharing your story and sharing your thoughts. And for all of those out there listening, thank you again for joining us here on the Live Leaderly Podcast. <laughs>